my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show where we're always talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about the way the entire world is changing. The world is breaking apart into a world of deglobalization. We look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. So you have greater context as to what is happening. A lot of times you just look at the economic side, the macroeconomic picture, or the political side. And it's hard to understand how all this works together. So we have to look at all three together. And I'd like to bring to you some of the latest breaking news headlines to bring some context to this so you can understand the play-by-play. I got a lot to cover on this show. We're going to go through what's happening in the uh, the finance space, in the technology space. We're going to talk about some freedom things. We're going to talk about voting with your feet. We're going to talk about uh, the government flip-flopping back and forth on a bunch of different positions and more. It's been a busy week in the headlines. As always, the world is changing really, really fast. And so, you know, the first thing I want to talk about is at the time as we're recording this, uh, unfortunately, we have another war that appears to be breaking out. We obviously have the Russia-Ukraine situation that is still underway, although it looks like support for Ukraine has been waning pretty pretty quickly, pretty quickly. Um And now we have another situation in the Middle East that's erupting with Israel and Palestine, uh, potentially pulling in other figures. We know the United States is sending weapons and sending uh, destroyers and aircraft carriers um, 
maybe funding both sides. Um, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty details of that, but um, we'll see how this plays out. We'll be talking about it more, but there's massive implications of this for many, many reasons, including from the financial side of things and really what's going to happen with the oil markets and the natural gas markets and what's going to happen with inflation. And so when you start thinking about those types of things, you have to think about how do you protect yourself in times of geopolitical risk? Now, obviously, if you live in the Middle East, you have to think about your physical protection. Like, do I want to be here if there's going to be bombs happening? Uh, maybe if you're in other countries or even maybe in the United States in big cities, you know, could I be in the way of, of retaliation? Uh, but specifically, we're talking about how do we protect our wealth in times of geopolitical risk? Now, you know, an insensitive comment to, you know, people in, in Palestine or Israel might be, you know, why don't they just leave? Not everyone has the ability to just leave. They don't have the money. So we always want to take, take care of our money first. And one of the best ways that we have been able to protect our wealth from geopolitical events forever has been by taking money outside of the system. Um, just this week, we saw a hedge fund giant, Paul Tudor Jones, said that the combination of extensive geopolitical risk and rising U.S. government debt levels make it very difficult to own stocks. So we've seen, you know, the equity markets, the stock markets have not been doing well. They've been sort of range-bound, chopping back and forth. We have U.S. government, the Treasury auctions, uh, you know, the government's issuing more debt than ever before. Just this week, ever since the Israel situation um, popped up, the Treasury markets are, the, the yields are starting to pull back a little bit. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty in the markets, if you will. And Paul Tudor Jones said this might be the most threatening geopolitical environment I've ever seen. He was on CNBC Squawk Box talking about this. He also took note of the U.S. fiscal position. So it's not just the geopolitical environment, Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Palestine, uh, you know, China, Taiwan. There's three potential um, things going off in the world right now. But he also, again, said the U.S. fiscal position. So you know that the U.S. has been sending um, you know, well over $100 billion to Ukraine. Now they're saying that maybe we'll just send them another $100 billion. Now we're sending, I think it was 4 or $5 billion to Israel. Uh, we're sending money to Palestine as well. Um, and he, so we also have to look at the fiscal position is what he said, calling it the weakest he's seen since at least World War II. He said, quote, as interest costs go up in the United States, you get in the vicious circle where higher interest rates cause higher funding costs, cause higher debt issuance, which cause further bond liquidation, which cause higher rates, which is basically this doom loop that we go into. And he says, I can't love stocks, he said, but I love Bitcoin and gold. So those are two things that he's talking about. And so it's important to understand that getting your money out of the system in times of geopolitical risk and um, high debt seem to make sense, Bitcoin and gold. And, you know, gold has been great for 5,000 years, but it has its limitations specifically on the physical aspects of it. We saw there's another report that came out this week from Matrixport saying that Bitcoin is better than digital gold even. And, you know, they kind of point to this connection between gold and Bitcoin and how they've been stores of value and things like that, but how the demand for Bitcoin as a digital store of value was a big reason why it continues to grow and outpace gold. So think about it. If you're running for your life from Ukraine or Palestine or Israel, wherever it may be, it's very difficult to take all your gold with you, but you can take Bitcoin with you pretty quickly. And so it's pretty easy to see the big differences there. But, you know, 
then we also have to take the downside of this implication as well. So for example, we saw in the Israel-Palestine situation, we can see that crypto accounts were actually frozen by Israel and Binance. So we saw that Hamas-linked crypto accounts were frozen by Israeli police with Binance's help. The Israel police have frozen cryptocurrency accounts linked to Palestine militant group Hamas. The cyber arm of Israel's police unit worked with the country's defense ministry, intelligence agencies, and crypto exchange Binance to target the accounts in question. Now, a lot of you that maybe aren't super familiar with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general, maybe don't understand this. The crypto accounts were frozen. So you have to understand in Bitcoin, we say not your keys, not your coin, so to speak. And so we never really actually download Bitcoin. We don't actually download coins or tokens. What we have is we have the private key. So we have the key in order to open up this digital locker and move them if you if you kind of imagine it that way. And so what happens is if you don't have your key, then someone else has it. If you have your Bitcoin on an exchange like Binance in this case or Coinbase or whatever it may be, they hold your key for you. So in this case, Israel police were able to get Binance to freeze the accounts that were linked back to Hamas. I don't know exactly how they linked them back. They use some sort of chain analysis software to do that. But it reinforces the point that if it's not your keys, it's not your coins. When you look back through all the instances where governments have been able to seize Bitcoin, it's because they were able to get that private key. So uh, in some cases, they raided the house while the computer was open. In other cases, they hack into the computer. Uh, but it's always about finding that private key. Imagine if you had gold, for example, and you uh, buried your gold out into the, into the desert to keep it safe. And so you kept a treasure map, a map to that gold. If somebody got a hold of your map, they'd get a hold of your gold. And so you have to protect that key. And in this case, they did that. Um, and it's just a reminder of this, not your keys, not your coin. Now, it brings up a, a bigger point, which is, well, should we be able to do that? Should known criminals like Hamas be able to hold Bitcoin that we can't seize, that we can't um, censor or sanction? Well, that's part of this big debate that we see specifically heating up over in, in Europe, where it, Europe and even Elizabeth Warren in the United States is starting to try to pass this bill where they want to ban our ability to hold our private keys. They don't want us to hold our private keys because they want to be able to take our money away from us whenever they want, if we've been a naughty boy or a naughty girl for that matter. Over in Europe, we can see that um, Italy's Cipollone defends the digital euro as he seeks an ECB role. So he's trying to get into the European Central Bank. And they're trying to push this CBDC, a digital euro. And he said that it would, quote, reinforce the ability to pay, to pay with public money, which is not really what people want. Uh, but what they really want is they want the ability to, uh, as he said, for financial stability and lending could be managed through measures like imposing holding limits on citizens. So they want to be able to impose limits on how much you can hold, what you can hold it through, what types of terms you can do this on. Look, freedom is a messy situation, but... For every one or two people that might do something wrong, we have 99 or 100 other people that wouldn't. And you have to understand that this is not a black or white issue. Again, freedom is messy. We have laws about against doing things that are illegal, but not everything is cause and effect. Um, people that do illegal things also probably eat food and they probably drive cars and they probably use telephones as well. We don't take away all of those things. And so this is going to be a battle shaping up that we're going to continue to see play out over the years and decades to come. And I'll definitely keep you up to date on what's going on. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week. I got a whole lot more to cover when I come back. So don't go away. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing. 
but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week so you can understand what the heck is going on out there in this world. Of course, we're always looking at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology so we can get a better context for what's going on. And I saw several stories pop up this week that really were telling us this story. And it's really the story that's been raging, really, I would say, accelerated when the pandemic happened in 2020, when we saw really this glaring difference between states in the United States. Now, uh, for those of you that understand history properly, you know that the United States isn't a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. And the states are supposed to be independent. And so during this, uh, you know, the pandemic era, we saw some states like California and New York trying to really set the bar really high for maximum um shall we say totalitarianism, uh, shall we say, uh, trying to set the, the, the bar really, really high for maximum control and how much freedom they could take away uh, using this emergency pandemic as an excuse. And then on the other side, we saw red states, specifically you can think about um, Florida and Texas, um, taking the opposite stance and giving more freedom back. And this kicked off this global migration, uh, the great migration, if you will, where people were voting with their feet. Texas 
and uh, Florida became massive beneficiaries, not just Texas and Florida, but other states as well that were preserving freedoms, and were the were the massive beneficiaries of people leaving California and New York. New York basically emptied out and went down to Jacksonville, Florida. California emptied out, went to went to Austin, Texas. And we can see this, but it's continued. And this week we saw another big piece and it's following in California steps. You would think that these leaders like uh, the governor, like Gavin Newsom would finally learn his lesson. You know, if these governors actually had some skin in the game, imagine if they ran the state like a CEO of a business would run it. And let's say that they were incentivized by how well the people did. Let's say that they got bonuses if they were able to bring the per capita income up of their citizens or things like that. But instead, no, um, they do the opposite. And so California has gone from having a you know $100 billion surplus to having like a $50 billion deficit as Gavin Newsom has run all the businesses out of California. Silicon Valley is gone. They went to Austin. Facebook is gone, right? Tesla's gone out there. Silicon Valley is leaving in mass. Hollywood left in mass. As a matter of fact, I think California is now like ranked the fourth ranked state for movies now. They've gone. They don't want to make movies in the state. The actors don't want to live in the state. Uh, they're all gone. And we're seeing the same thing happen in other states. This week, we saw Smith & Wesson, the gun manufacturer, decide to pull up stakes in a blue state with worsening gun control laws and decided to move to Tennessee. Now, Smith & Wesson has been making guns for over 170 years, and they've been headquartered in Massachusetts. Uh, they employ lots of people. They employ almost 1,000 people, and they said that the Democratic gun control legislation in Massachusetts is just so strong that they can no longer operate in the state, and so they've decided to move to Tennessee. Now, Tennessee opened up their arms and brought them over. And they said, hey, come on over. We would love to have you. And as a matter of fact, we'll even give you some money to help you. Um, and so they're coming. They're taking almost 1,000 jobs with them, $125 million of investment. They've committed to offer a 25, almost a $26 sustained minimum wage. So, so they're like, hey, we'll come over to Tennessee. We're going to create a thousand jobs at almost $26 an hour, which is in Tennessee is a lot more than it is in California. We're watching this play out in real time. Per the Cato Institute's estimation, they say, quote, the Second Amendment is nearly a dead letter in Massachusetts. The state tries to make guns as expensive as possible, locking mandates, dealer licensing, license to purchase any gun, safety training, and all of these things. And Tennessee, by the way of comparison, is ranked as the fourth most free state in the nation. So we're starting to see this play out. Now, as these states, New York, <laughs> Uh, California, and now Massachusetts, continue to impose their way on the businesses, the businesses move. Once they move, they don't come back. And so these are like irreversible things. When California has driven away movie studios, when they've driven away Silicon Valley, they don't come back. When Massachusetts drives Smith & Wesson out, they don't come back. This is a permanent loss. This week, I saw another headline. Dean Kane, uh, the actor, um, celebrates leaving California. He's going to Las Vegas. He cites uh, mostly the cost as well as, as the politics for his reasoning for wanting to leave. He said not it wasn't just for him and his, and, and, and his, his expenses and his costs and his taxes, but for his kids. And he's saying how much better his life is in California, I'm sorry, in Vegas now, not just for him, but for his kids. And he's following another famous actor, Mark Wahlberg, who famously left California to go to Las Vegas as well. 
And again, it's not just the money, which the money is a big piece of it, but it's the politics. It's the, it's the quality of life for the family. California is doing everything they can to break down the family unit. As a matter of fact, a California lawmaker, I forget his name recently, but he said, look, he said, I'm here to fight for you guys, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you have a family, leave. Do not be in California. They're passing laws where like, for example, if you don't affirm your child's gender, they can take your kids away from you. And so it's no, no doubt, no reason why, it's not a mystery why people are flooding in exodus out of these states, these blue states. Now, uh, as bad as this is, and as, as much as I dislike it, um, it's sort of the way it's supposed to work, right? California, uh, or I should say the states are supposed to be independent. And so they can run these experiments. Hey, blue states, you do you, you be super restrictive. You make it very hard for businesses to operate there. You take away all people's freedoms. You make it super expensive and people leave. And then other states, hey, let's make it more free and let's uh, let people keep more of their money and let's let family, let's celebrate families. And let's, let's, let's compete. Let's see which states work better. Now you have Gavin Newsom over there trying to criticize Ron DeSantis. And Ron DeSantis is like, look, man, all your people came to my state. They already voted. Like, we don't have to discuss this. They already voted with their feet and their money. And that's exactly how it should stay. There was another headline I saw this week back to California. Um, a renter has decided to stay in their luxury Airbnb in California for a year without paying any, any, any money, and they're demanding $100,000 to get out. What? <laughs> what? Wait, what? Now, if you don't live in California, this might seem as a shock to you. As a being a real estate investor in California, this is no shock to me. This is why I do not own rental properties in California anymore, because of the tenant rights laws that they have. So this person went to rent the property and decided not to pay. They've been there for a year without paying, but the homeowner still has to make the payment. So the homeowner is going broke, but they can't legally get them out of the house because of California's protecting tenant rights, even when the tenant's not paying. And not only have they not paid for a year that the homeowner's on the hook for now, potentially, you know, who knows? I don't, I don't know their situation, but potentially getting in very difficult financial trouble, maybe even potentially going to cost them to lose the house. And now they're demanding $100,000 to leave? So not only do you have California with their high, uh, you know, all their high fees, high taxes, et cetera, then they pass laws that take away your rights as an owner. And they have, for example, in Los Angeles and San Francisco, they have, um, you know, uh, they have limits on how much you can raise the rents, for example, rent control. All of this capital is leaving California and it doesn't come back, which is why California finds itself in a $50 billion deficit and it's not coming back. Anyway, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, we're talking through some of the latest breaking news headlines so you can understand the decentralized revolution as it's happening play by play. I got a whole lot more to cover when I come back after a very short break. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week as we look at the lens of the world or the world through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. Um, and so, boy, you know, looking at that lens, um, like I said, the world's crazy right now. There's no shortage of things to talk about. Something that I talked about last week that I thought was pretty interesting and important is what I think might be one of the biggest and most important issues um, in America to Americans. And really, it's uh, through most of Western Europe and, and actually maybe the whole world for that matter. And it's immigration. So what do I mean by that? Well, um, Western Europe and America is um, having massive inflow of immigration and other parts of the world have massive outflow of immigration. So it's a big problem no matter where you're at. Recently, you know, in regards to the Russia-Ukraine war, I think it was Mitch McConnell was trying to drum the beat of war, trying to raise more money from for Ukraine. And he said, it's the single most important issue for Americans that we raise this money to send to Ukraine. And as an American, I can tell you that it's not. Uh, well, certainly not, not my single most important issue. It's not anywhere even on my top 25. It's not even an issue at all. I would guess it's certainly not the single most important issue for a uh, majority of Americans. Not that I want to speak on behalf of everybody, but I would guess a, probably a more pressing issue for Americans is the open border. Seven million people have come across the border, almost a record 300,000 people just last month came across the border. Along with it, the Mexican cartels are using it to smuggle people, smuggle drugs, um, as well as lots of nationals from other countries that may not be so friendly. But I, I want to get into a little bit more of that. You got the news headlines on your own, right? You can go read the, that stuff on your own. But let me give you some more context that you won't be getting from this. Now, again, this is my opinion is probably the single most important issue for most Americans, especially when the number one cause of death in America for 18 to 35 year olds is fentanyl overdose, which is coming across the southern border. The number one cause of death. Shouldn't that probably be one of our main concerns? 
Remember how big of a concern the whole COVID pandemic was? And that wasn't our number one cause of death. Shouldn't this be a bigger concern? Well, we should probably think about securing the border. As a matter of fact, every nation thinks about securing the border unless there's a reason not to. So what am I talking about? Let's go through. I pulled up a little video clip here that I want to play, a little audio clip. And let me get this ready. This is Obama. I think it's Hillary Clinton. It's Joe Biden. And uh, let me see who else is on. Well, I'll talk about when we put, play this. And this is a before and an after. So this is what they said about the need for a border war before, border wall before, and what they said after. Here, let's hear from Obama. Here we go. It will authorize some badly needed funding for better fences and better security along our borders. The fence is not. Okay, so there's Obama saying the border wall is needed. He called the fence. It's certainly needed. We're going to give more money. We certainly need it. And here he is now. Let's hear what he has to say. Now basically complete. Maybe they'll need a moat. Maybe they want alligators in the moat. Secure our border. So he's saying uh, he's 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 joking. He's being sarcastic. The fence is complete, and they're still saying it's not enough. Maybe they need a moat now. Maybe we should give them some alligators. Well, you certainly know the fence isn't complete. You certainly know that Trump pushed through building a wall. And as we talked about last week, uh, <laughs> the Biden administration is selling off the wall rather than building it. Uh, we'll come back to that in a little bit. Um, so he's completely gaslighting you. Let's hear from Hillary Clinton now. Secure our borders with technology, personnel, uh, physical barriers, if necessary, in some places. We will. So there she is saying, we need to secure our border with technology, with fences, whatever we need to do to, to secure the border. That was then. Now let's hear what she has to say now. Not build a wall. Instead, we will build an economy where everyone who wants a good job can get one. So she said, no, now we're not going to build a wall. So flip flopping. Now let's hear from President Biden when he was Senator Joe Biden. Let's hear what he has to say here. Voted for I voted like unlike most Democrats, and some of you won't like it. I voted for 700 miles fence. So there he is saying, I voted for the fence. I voted for this, and most Democrats don't like me. I voted for 700 miles of fence. Let's go on. Let me tell you something, folks. People are driving across that border with tons, tons, hear me, tons of everything from byproducts from methamphetamine to cocaine. He said people are driving across the border with tons. He repeated that three times. Tons, tons, tons of products to make methamphetamines, drugs, cocaine, and heroin. I voted for the wall. I voted to put 700 miles up, even though the Democrats don't want it, because tons, tons, tons of drugs are coming across the border. It's all coming up through corrupt Mexico. And it's all coming up through Mexico. That was him before, and now here he is now. Impulse is to hunker down. Shut the gates, build walls, exit at this moment is precisely the wrong answer. Former presidents have said to him that they wish that they had built a wall. Do you I recall President Obama ever one. saying that? Come on. Hmm. So, uh, no, he doesn't know a single president that would ever say that. Uh, never mind, he had just recently said that. Now let's hear from uh, Schumer, hear what he has to say then. Let's hear what he has to say then. Construction of a 130-mile border fence create a significant barrier to illegal immigration on our southern land border. All along. Okay. Uh, so he was saying we need to build a 630-mile fence, Biden said 700, uh, along our southern land border to prevent illegal immigration. Let's hear what he has to say again then. Along the president saying, well, I'll do DACA and Dreamers in return for the wall. He's got it. President Trump. Okay. So 
We were going to give him the wall in exchange for having this, and now let's hear what he has to say now. If you want to open the government, you must abandon the wall. And there they have him holding him hostage, saying, Trump, if you want to open up the, the government, this was at a time when the debt ceiling debate was going down, if you want to open the government, then you have to abandon the wall. The flip-flop, Obama, Hillary, Biden, Schumer, all were pro-wall. And now they're all against it. What happened? What happened? Could it be that it's because Trump wanted a wall that they just automatically can't like the wall? Now, we know that there's massive problems caused from this, and the exact problems we're suffering are the exact problems they warned would happen. What did Biden say? We're having a massive inflow of drugs across our southern border. Yes, that's exactly what we're having. That's exactly what we're having. We have uh, states in the north, New York, Michigan, San Francisco, trying to, we need more people across the border, but now that they're getting up to New York or getting up to Colorado, they don't want it anymore. Mayor Eric Adams, I played a clip from him a while ago, he's saying, we're, we're being overrun. There's no, there's no hope. There's nothing we can do. Well, certainly you could close the border. Eric Adams, Mayor Eric Adams of New York City, actually went down to Latin America to try to discourage migrants from coming to New York City. The Democratic New York governor, Kathy Hochul, on Sunday called on Congress to limit who crosses the border, saying it's too open right now. She said, quote, people coming from all over the world are finding their way through simply saying they need asylum. And the majority of them seem to be ending up in the streets of New York. And that's a real problem. 125,000 newly arrived individuals, and we are being overtaxed. In Denver, Colorado, another blue state, Denver recently asked Texas border officials to hand out flyers discouraging migrants from seeking shelter in the sanctuary city, citing exhausted resources because 21,000 migrants have relocated to Denver. Now, we also saw reports this week, Border Patrol agents apprehended more than 24,000 migrants. This is what they apprehended, not what they got, not that got through. They apprehended 24,000 migrants from the People's Republic of China. These are not these are not Venezuelan, Argentinian, like you've been led to believe. No, this is people from the Middle East, people from Africa, and yes, 24,000 people from the People's Republic of China. More than 11,000 just since June alone. This is a big deal, and the story is only heating up. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Ma Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about how immigration is changing the landscape of the world. There is a lot more to this story that I want to cover when I come back after a very quick break. You want to hear about the flip-flop and the hidden internal things that are being done. I'm going to cover that when I come back in a minute. With more, I'll be back with more. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Right. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Ma Show. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week so you can understand the world in greater context as we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. Before the break, I was talking about the immigration problem. It's happening all over the world. We've covered it extensively. What's happening in Italy, what's happening through Europe, and we've, hap- we've talked about what's happening in the United States, and that's what we're talking about right now. Um, and I was showing you the flip-flop, how Obama, Biden, Hillary, Schumer were all very, very, very pro-border walls, um, harsh on immigration. There's other clips I could have pulled. There was one that I was listening to that was Biden basically as a senator grilling the attorney general saying, you're not doing your job. It's your job to uphold the law. This is illegal uh, immigration. Um, Anyway, there's this flip-flop. But as I reported last week, because of the increased demand from blue states, such as New York and Colorado, begging for the federal government's help, we got some movement. And so what happened? Well, we saw the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas went on and said that now the Department of Homeland Security will, in fact, continue building the wall. And not only will they continue building the wall, they are going to do it in the fastest way possible. In fact, moving past, completely ignoring, I believe, 26 federal laws and regulations to get it done. Forget the red tape, forget the bureaucracy. We need it now. And we're going to go do it right now. We talked about that. He said, quote, there's a presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States in the project areas. That's from the DHS secretary. All right. Now he said that, it's urgent. We have to waive regulations. We have to get this through. It looked like they had woken up. They knew what was going on. Now, I do want to state, and I covered this last week, but I'm going to, I'm going to recite it again for you here. There was a bill going through that would either, one, force the government to continue to build, the federal government to continue building the wall, or two, if they wouldn't give the materials that were purchased and weren't being used, give them to Texas, 
so Texas could finish the wall. Look, either use the materials you had to build the wall or give them to Texas so we can finish building the wall. Okay, now this bill was going through, it was going to be passed. President Biden decided that he was going to be, either way, the wall was going to get built. So I have a better idea, says President Biden. He probably didn't have the idea, but somebody told him, let's sell off the wall secretly for pennies on the dollar. So we can just get rid of it really, really quick. We don't want to move it even at market value. Let's move it for pennies on the dollar so we can get rid of it really quick before this law goes into effect and we have to give it to Texas. Now, maybe Texas should have bought it from there. Now, I know, obviously, there's no such thing as law, rule of law in the government anymore when it comes to the Biden uh, crime family, I guess. But typically, in normal law and like business and contract dealings and things like that, if I think I'm about to get sued or have some sort of a judgment or penalty or if I think the IRS is coming after me, if there's something pending on me that could impair my assets and I preemptively move those assets so they can't get them, that's illegal. If I know someone's going to sue me and I move all my assets into some offshore trust, that's illegal. If I know the IRS is going to come after me and levy my assets and I move them, that's illegal. But that seems sort of like what Biden just did. Knowing that this bill was going to go through, knowing that he would either be forced to finish it or have to give those assets up to Texas, he sold them off. Those aren't his assets. Those are you and I's assets. Those are those were paid for with our taxpayer dollars. Now, what happened is after that, as I said last week, Mayorkas, the head of the DHS, came out and said, okay, fine, we're going to do it. We're going to get this done. And then I reported on that. Then right after that happened, Mayorkas backtracks. Now he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I didn't actually say that. He said, I want to address today's reporting related to a border wall and be absolutely clear, quote, he said in a statement, quote, there is no new administration policy with respect to border walls. From day one, this administration has made clear that a border wall is not the answer, end quote. What you have to do is you have to do active listening and you have to read between the lines here. What did he actually say? He said, he said, uh, there is no new policy from day one. This administration has made it clear that a border wall is not the answer. So, what he's saying, maybe, well, let, let me finish telling you this. Let's talk, talk about the actions. We'll come back. He says, quote, that remains our position and our position has never wavered, end quote. He added, quote, the language in the Federal Register notice is being taken out of context. It does not signify any change in policy whatsoever, end quote. So he came out and backtracked. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. You guys misunderstood me. We haven't changed our policy. We still think the border wall is not the answer. You've taken it out of context. Huh, that's kind of weird. Because you just said it was urgent and necessary. The blue states are pressuring you. And you made the statement. And now you're saying we took it out of context. Well, uh, uh, I guess that's what we did. He said we did. But yet after he said that, Homeland Security actually resumes building the wall in Texas, despite Biden opposition. The federal government is resuming border wall construction in South Texas amid another surge of border crossings, even as President Joe Biden reasserts his opposition to the project. In fact, Biden told reporters that, quote, nothing had changed in his opposition to building the wall. He said his administration's hands were tied after Congress in 2019 passed legislation funding the wall construction in Starr County. The money was appropriated for the border wall. I tried to get them to reappropriate, to redirect that money, but they didn't, Biden said. They wouldn't. In the meantime, there's nothing under the law that can be done. So listen what's happening here. 
Biden, the Biden administration wants the wall to get built to help the blue states, but he wants to pretend like he doesn't want the wall to be built. So listen back. Let's go back to what uh, Mayorkas said. Um, from day one, this administration made it clear that a border wall is not the answer. He didn't say from day one, we, the administration said they wouldn't build the wall. He said it's not the answer. So, hey, we still believe it's not the answer. Our position hasn't changed. The border wall is not the answer. But if you want it, we'll go ahead and build it. You see the language that he used there? He didn't say we're not going to build it. He said, we just think it's not the answer. He said, that remains our position. Our position has never wavered. Uh, we've never wavered. Sure, we'll build the wall, but our position is still it's not going to work. Notice what he's saying? Um, he said that the language is being taken out of context. It does not signify any change in the policy. So he said it's, it's taken out of context. Uh, we didn't say that we think the wall is the answer now. You're taking it out of context. We just said we're going to build it. Never did he deny they were going to build it. And then even President Biden, he reasserts his opposition to the project, but then he told the reporters, it's out of our hands. We can't do anything about it. Well, you could. You sold off all the wall parts for pennies on the dollar. You certainly could. Do you see what's happening here? It's, it's, it's what, what we call gaslighting. They're lying to you right in your face. They're trying to use some fancy speech so you don't pick up what's going on. In the meantime, they're doing whatever they want. If it wasn't for their buddies in the blue states, in, uh, in New York, getting hit super hard on this bill, if it wasn't for the blue states of Denver, Colorado, they probably wouldn't be doing anything. As long as it's going to the southern states, specifically Texas, they're trying to turn Texas blue. If it's going to Texas, if, if they're shipping them to Florida, if it's going to Arizona, great. Perfect. That's exactly what we want. <laughs> once they get up to Colorado, once they get up to New York, now we got a problem on our hands. Now, the blue states are no longer supporting the president and the administration. So we're going to pretend, well, first, we're going to try to get rid of the stuff. But if you're going to force our hands, as Biden said, we have, we, you know, the, the money, the money is that uh, was already appropriated. There's nothing I can do. It's out of our hands. Well, I guess we have to let you do it. In addition to that, what we can see is that um, on the heels of determining that he has a meeting that need to finish the wall, the White House announced last night that deportation flights of illegal Venezuelan migrants would resume immediately. They're saying now Mayorkas made a determination it's safe to return to Venezuelan nationals who arrived in the United States subsequent to July 31st and do not have a legit basis to remain here. So now the United States government is going to start buying them air airplane flights and send them home with your tax dollars. Invite them here and then ship them home. It's pretty nice. Anybody want a free trip to South America? Government's going to pay for it. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We've been running through some of the latest breaking news headlines of the week. So you know what the heck is going on as we look at through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. That's what I got for the show today. Thanks so much for listening. Till next time. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. 
Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.